listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I am. Um, I'm really excited about what God is going to uh, speak to us about tonight. It's a a message that has been brewing and my spirit for a little while now. And, uh, and I, this is actually, I believe, um, almost one of my life messages. Um, and uh, I know uh, something that we regularly need to hear, regularly need to be reminded about and, uh, and take to heart because uh, who knows, you don't just want to uh, attend church. We need Jesus to change us from the inside out. And uh, I know I do. That is my deep desire in leading this, uh, our church, the privilege that we have of leading this campus here is that we would be changed. We wouldn't just go through the motions, but we'd go from strength to strength. So, Father, I thank You for what You have in store for us tonight. God, I pray that we would hear from You. And God, I pray that uh, we would hear Your Word, that we would be challenged by You, we would be stretched by You. And God, I pray that You would um, bring change. God, bring great fruit. Father, I pray that we would engage right now. We wouldn't be thinking about what's for dinner and what's happening this week, but we would engage with You. And everybody said... Amen. You just agreed to it, so you got to do it. Because we know where liars go. <laughs> just felt like saying that. But anyway, anyway, we are going to be looking at the story of Joseph today, an amazing man of God, one of my favourite characters in the Bible. And, uh, and he, uh, he was a dreamer. He was a man who had incredible dreams. He was one of uh, 12 sons. Imagine being one of 12 sons. And he was the favourite one of them all. His dad favoured him because the Bible said he had him old in age and with his favourite wife. Back in biblical times, they so not PC to have favourite wife, you know, let alone wives. But he had a favourite wife and favourite son. Even when I read the story to my kids at night and it says he had a favourite son, I'm like, you try and just skip past that part really quickly because you can't explain it to your kids. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked tonight. Anyway, he had this favourite son. Joseph was the favourite son and the brothers hated him for it. They hated the fact that he was the favourite. And, uh, and so they decided to do something about it. They sold Joseph into slavery. And before this, Joseph had had these two incredible dreams by, given to him by God where his brothers and his father bowed down, to, bowed down to him. So he knew there was incredible destiny on his world. But the next thing, you know, he's sold into slavery as a 17-year-old boy. And, uh, and then the Bible says he spends the next 13 years as a slave and then in prison. So he goes to Potiphar's house where he is a slave. He raises up through the ranks of Potiphar's house. He gets to the very top. And then Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him. And he says no to her. And because of his integrity, she gets him thrown into prison because she doesn't like to be rejected. So he's thrown into prison and then spends another few years in prison where uh, friends of his in prison have dreams. He interprets the dream. And uh, one of them is uh, ends up going to be the cupbearer for the king and he says to the Joseph says to this man, Don't forget me when you were with the king, but he forgets him. And for the next two years, until the king has a dream, and the cupbearer remembers Joseph, and that time is Joseph's time. And he rises into his destiny, he's released into his dream at the right time. 
But look at what he went through before he got to the right time. And what I love about Joseph is through all that he went through, he somehow kept his spirit right. He somehow guarded his heart through it all. He went through horrible circumstances, but those circumstances didn't get on the inside of him. He went through betrayal, hopelessness, disgrace, everything possible you could imagine. He was hit with it, but he didn't allow it to get into his heart. He guarded his heart. And I love that about Joseph. He was able to guard his heart. And because of it, it ended up being his greatest releaser. If he had allowed those things to get into his heart, he wouldn't have been able to be released how God wanted him to be released. Matthew 5 verse 8 says this in the message version, you're blessed when you get, excuse me, your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. How often though, do we focus on our outside world rather than looking at our inside world? How often do we try and focus on getting it right, all on the outside, having it looking all right, rather than focusing on our heart, what really matters? See, the Bible talks about the power of guarding our heart and uh, I suppose tending our heart over 300 times. Over 300 times, there is such power in protecting and how we care for our heart. In Mark 7, verse 20 to 23, it says Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and He says this, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes. Obscenities, lust, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. Luke 6 verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is our heart full of? So often we try and change our speech, but our speech just reflects our heart. What is our heart full of? Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard our heart for everything flows through it. See, God has incredible plans for us like He had Joseph, but there are so often times where stuff gets in our heart and it robs us of what God has got for us. See, we can be in the most amazing environment environment of church growing in God's house. But even that doesn't stop stuff getting on the inside of our hearts. I mean, Judas is a perfect example of it. Surrounded by Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, seeing healings take place, seeing Dead people raised, deaf ears open, eyes seeing, people getting up and walk that they couldn't walk, or demons coming out of people. He saw it all, yet he allowed evil to get in his heart. The Bible says he allowed the love of money to get in his heart. And because of that, he was then used by the enemy for the enemy's purposes, rather than being released into God's purpose. If it can happen for Judas, it can happen to any one of us. Come on, we are the ones that are responsible for our heart. So the question 
I want to ask tonight is what is our heart entertaining? What is our heart entertaining? One of the things Jesus, Jesus said to the Pharisees when He walked on the earth is, why are you entertaining such evil thoughts? What is our heart entertaining? The first four years of our marriage, uh, Craig and I, we lived in an incredibly uh, small little place. It was just a bedroom and then a kitchen that was about three metres long and then just a little wee bathroom as well. We used to call it the love shack. And uh, we, <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a great four years without babies. And uh, it was awesome. We had an amazing first four years in, uh, in that place. But it was... Very tiny, we hardly spent any time there, even to the point, I said this story this morning, of uh, one night I cooked a chicken, a roast chicken, and forgot I'd cooked it, and then three months later, went to cook something out, three months later, went to cook something else, opened it up, and there was my chicken sitting in the oven, just this mould, this ball of mould. That's how little I cooked at that time. How lucky is Craig to have me as a wife? And, uh, and so we lived in this place, and one of the things we learned when we got married, moved into our own home, is when we were flatting, people would pop around all the time. But when it was our home, all of a sudden people waited to be invited. They waited for an invitation. We chose what and who we entertained. We made that decision ourselves. And when it comes to our heart, our heart is our home. When the Bible talks about our heart, it talks about our inner us, our mind, our will, our emotions. It's our home. And when it comes to our home, our heart, we decide what we entertain. And to use this as a bit of an illustration about how we can entertain when it comes to our heart, I've set up this kind of home situation tonight just to uh, bring this to life a little bit more because this is kind of how we tend to entertain when it comes to our heart. See, what we tend to do is we tend to entertain whoever comes knocking at the door. If I can have my first person come up and just help me with this part, please. Man, everyone is looking at me. I just feel so weird. What if they don't like me? I feel so out of place. I don't fit in anywhere. Oh, hey, insecurity. You knocked on the door of my heart. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Pull up a chair. Pull up a cushion. Just settle in there. You're, you're at the door of my heart, so you're welcome to come on in. Did God really say that? Does he really love me? Does he see me? Does he even do miracles? Oh, doubt. Come on in. Make yourself at home again. I can't believe that they tell me I have to park all the way down the inn there and save car parks for other people. Why don't I get a special car park? And these other people, like, they get safe seats at the front. Like, surely I should have one of those. Like, I've been at the church for so long, and I do so much, and they never say thank you. Like, I can't believe it. Offence. Come on in. Make yourself at home. What if I fail? What if I can't live up to the expectations of others? Those guys are huge. You'll never win. You'll never be an all black. 
here. Come on in. And see, what we do, these things come knocking at the door of our heart and we just give them free reign to come on in and make themselves at home. I mean, we make sure they're cosy. We make sure they're welcome. We light the candles to make sure, you know, like we've got a great ambience happening here. And we kind of make these things just feel at home in our hearts. We just allow them to do what they want to do in our lives. We allow them to have their way. We allow them to have control. And then we look at our lives and we wonder why we feel so limited, so contained. We wonder why the enemy has so much territory in our lives. And we wonder why we can't stand up into our destiny and our dreams. It's because we're entertaining the wrong things. See, whoever we entertain, we give a voice into our world and we become what we entertain. So we don't, I'm just not listening to fear, all of a sudden I become fearful. All of a sudden I'm just not listening to doubt, I become doubtful. All of a sudden I'm just not uh, hanging out with insecurity, I become insecure. All these things become me because I've allowed them into my home and I've allowed them a place that they never have the right to have in my house. See, our heart is ultimately our God's territory. It's ultimately our Lord's territory. We are His kids. We are His sons. We are His daughters. And my heart ultimately belongs to Him. So because of that, all these things actually don't have a right in my heart. Actually don't have a right in my place. Because man, our God doesn't agree with the stuff making its home in our lives. So if I could have Jesus just step onto the scene, please, and help me out. (laughs) See... See, Jesus says that fear has no place in my life. 1 Timothy, 1, uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. And so because of that, Jesus can just take fear right out on, on my home <laughs> and just take me right on out take him right on out of my space because he doesn't belong here. He has no right here whatsoever. When it comes to doubt, the Word of God says that we should not doubt, that doubters will not get what they ask for. Jesus says that doubt has no place in our home. What does it say about insecurity? It says that we are ordained by Him, that He has called us to be a light to the world, a city on the hill, that nothing can be can put out nothing can hide he's called us to not be offended to live light to live with eternity in mind to live thinking only what is pure only what is noble and when we live like this we live in his freedom we live without this other stuff holding us back and hindering us because none of that stuff has its right in our home None of that stuff has a right in our home, but so often we just put up with it. So often we put up with this stuff because it's what we've always known. It's what's always been there. It's what we've just gotten used to. We tolerate so much when we're never meant to tolerate that stuff. That stuff is never meant to be part of our world when we are His son and His daughter. So what I wanna do tonight is I want to just talk about two things about entertaining, how we entertain the right way. Entertaining the right way is the first thing. We've got to work the invite list. 
We've got to work the invite list. We've got to look, take time to look at who we are inviting to the table. Who are we giving space to? Who are we giving room to speak into our life? What are we allowing into our space? The Bible says that how we guard our heart, above all else, guard our heart. Yet with our heart, we are often so casual and we do not tend it like it needs to be tended. We can be so flippant with it, but we've got to be intentional with what we get in our heart. See, what we often can try and do is keep plucking off the produce of the seed rather than dealing with the actual seed, rather than dealing with the root that is causing the issue. My mum loves to garden and she taught me gardening as a young girl. And the first thing she taught me when we did gardening together was not just to rip the tops off the weeds, but to pull out the entire root because otherwise those weeds would just come straight back again. And when it comes to our thinking, when it comes to what's on our heart, we've got to look at the at the seed, at the root of stuff, not just try and deal with the outside stuff, but deal with the seed. What is actually going on? I love what Craig Rochelle uh, insted this week. He said, Jesus goes after the source, not the symptoms. Jesus goes after the source, not the symptoms. The woman at the well is the perfect example of this. He didn't tell her off from going from man to man, from uh, living with a man that she wasn't married to. He didn't tell her off about that at all, but he dealt with her need for living water and that need manifests itself in going from man to man. But he dealt with the need. He dealt with the symptom. Come on, do we take time to look at ourselves and go, why am I reacting like that? Why am I actually thinking like that? Why do I feel like that? Because our feelings are a result of how we're thinking, but often we try and change how we feel, but it's our thinking that's got to change. Come on, we've got to look at what's causing us to be who we're being right now and look at stuff and go, hey, is there stuff in my heart that I need to change? Allow God to examine us and deal with stuff. I remember... When we, uh, it was quite a few years ago now, when we were asked to take on our West Extension service and in our ministry up to that point, we'd just been uh, youth pastors and young adult pastors. So this was the first time we were leading people of all ages and from all walks of life. And the particular congregation that we were leading were really from a rough area of Auckland. And a lot of them had been through major life stuff. And I just felt completely out of my depth leading, just completely inadequate, just felt like, man, what have I got to give? What have I got to share here? And I remember just getting to this point with God, it was after one particular meeting that I was leading and I just felt like I just had nothing to give and God, what are we even doing here? And I remember going before God and going, God, why do I feel like this? And Um, I remember one thing that I, and I had to explore this with God, but one thing God revealed to me was a few years back, one of the first jobs I had, and it was dealing with pretty heavy stuff. One of the women at the job uh, that I, uh, one of my colleagues, she said to me in a moment that we were in, she just said, you know what, you're too young and too inexperienced for this. And that seed had lodged itself in my heart 
and had allowed me to feel, given ground for me to feel like that in my ministry. And I had to go to God with that and go, God, this isn't right. How I'm feeling, that lie that was sown, that is not right. And it's not gonna help me build. It's not gonna help me be released in what you're called me to. So I had to go and uproot that lie and replace it with God's truth that said He had called me, so He was gonna equip me. And as soon as I dealt with that lie, it's amazing the authority that you can step into. It's amazing the destiny that you can step into once you deal with the stuff that's in your heart that's not right and that is not of Him. Come on, are we taking time to look at our heart and tend our heart? Because I find it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing thing we've got to do. Allow Him to be Lord of our lives. See, God knows what won't allow you to live at the heights He wants to take you to. So He needs to deal with stuff in us so that we can go to the heights He has for us. Remember when uh, I was just at, at school and uh, I was just 14 years old and going to a, on a hiking trip to Great Barrier uh, Island. And this hiking trip was pretty full on. I had this massive backpack. We had to carry our tent. We had to carry our cooking gear, all our food for the week. And we were given a list in packing that were the essentials that we had to take. And, you know, as a young girl, I was like, well, I'm just going to slip in a few more things in there as well. You know, my sarong for sunbathing time and hair products because I'm so going to need those. And I, I put in all these extra things and we got to school the morning of the trip and we didn't know it, but everything in our packs had to be laid out for inspection. And anything that was extra that wasn't on the list was removed from our packs and we're only allowed to take the essentials. And who knows at that moment I was kind of peeved, but three hours into that hike, oh, I was so grateful because you couldn't, because of the heights that we were going to, it's these steep vertical cliffs we had to climb where we were on our hands and knees at time. Because of the heights, I couldn't afford to take any excess luggage, any excess baggage that didn't belong there that wasn't on the list. And come on, God knows where He wants to take you. And He knows what you can't afford to carry. Come on, what's He putting His finger on in your heart right now? That He's saying, hey, I need you to deal with this. Because it's not going to walk you into the freedom that I have for you. I need you to deal with this. What's He putting His finger on? Allow Him to examine our hearts. See, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 to 10 says, But I, God, I search the heart and examine the mind. I get to, to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Allow Him to get to the root of the issue. The second thing, and entertaining the right way is be the bouncer at the door of your heart. Be the bouncer. I've always looked at bouncers at events and different things who are on the door and they only allow the people that are on the list to get through. I've always looked at them and thought, man, that looks like an awesome job. Just standing there all macked out, looking good, just saying, yes, you may come in or no, you may not come in. But you know what? We get to be the bouncers of our heart. We get to be the guardians of the doorway of our heart, allowing what should come in to come in and then saying no to what shouldn't come through the door of our heart. 
And we've got to have that kind of sense of, you know what, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to guard my heart because my heart is so precious and it is so worth guarding. See, sometimes we live like we're victims of whatever our heart chooses. But that's simply because we haven't understood the necessity of being the bouncer, our own bouncer at the doorway of our heart. We've got to stand strong knowing that we're called to be the guardians of our hearts. See, we guard what is most precious to us. We guard what is precious to us. I think about you know, the things that are precious to us. Kirsten, one of our young adults, was telling me the other day how she was at a train station and had her phone in her hand and a young guy just ran pyre and grabbed her phone and she ended up just chasing him, yelling at the top of her voice, other people join in the chase and she got her phone back. And I mean like, that's amazing. Look what you did just for your phone. But you know, we guard what is most precious to us. I think about the story of when I left home to go to university and I was moving two hours away from our home and uh, moving to Auckland and uh, into a hostel. And my dad was uh, dropping me off that day and we were both really upset. And I said, hey, dad, just drop me a kilometre away from the hostel because I need to just walk to the hostel and, you know, just recoup from um, being so upset. And, uh, and so he was like, yeah, honey, okay. And so I get out and I ended up walking the back way to give myself more time. And I walk up the back of our hostel and I see this guy standing in bushes. And I'm like, what is a guy doing in bushes? And as I get closer, I realise it's my dad peeking through these bushes. And I walk up behind him. I'm like, dad. He's like, oh, honey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you doing in bushes by my hostel? He's like, I gotta go. And, uh, (laughs) but apparently he told me later that he had been driving up the road, which I was going to walk every single day from that point. It was only midday and these two big guys were walking that same road. And so he just wanted to make sure I was okay by guarding and hiding behind some bushes. And, uh, I remember in that moment thinking, Dad, that's ridiculous, but I do it now with my kids. I'm that weird parent at the, the window of the school, just peering in when they're in their classroom, just making sure they're okay at their kindy, just peering in, just making sure, just, just being guard over what is most precious to me. The Bible says that our heart, above all else, guard your heart. Our heart is so precious and we need to guard it. We need to guard what is most precious to us. Come on, our life flows out of it. We've got to guard our heart. See, the thing about a bouncer is they have a list of what should get in and what shouldn't get in. And we have a list. This list comes back to the Word of God This list comes back to who he says we should be, what we should entertain, what we should allow in, what we shouldn't allow in. And we need to take this list and make sure that we have it on us when we are guardians of our hearts, that we have it on us. And everything is filtered through this. Everything is filtered through Jesus. Hey, would Jesus agree with that thought? If he was hanging out in our heart, would he agree with what was going on? Come on, we're gonna make sure 
sure we filter everything through this, everything through this list. See, what we'll often try and do is just to get rid of the bad, but we've got to replace it with the good because it's not good enough just to have an empty house, an empty heart. We've got to fill it with what is good. So if I can have the others come and help me out tonight, that'd be great. See, what happens is that we've got to make sure that what is good for us, what is good for our destiny, what is good for our purpose, we actually say yes to them being in our lives. So worth, hey, you line up with this. So you come right on in. Gratitude, you line up with my God destiny. So you come right on in. Love, come right on in because I need you in my world because what you are, who you are, it lines up with this. It lines up to who my Father says that I should be. Faith, come right on in because again, you line up to what my Father says, to who my Father says that I should be. And it's amazing when we fill our life with good things, when we fill our life with who God says that we are, when we fill our lives with what His Word says, it's amazing how we change. It's amazing how we step into authority, we step into influence, we step into our destiny because we're entertaining the right things. What are you entertaining? What are you entertaining? Is it good? Is it wholesome? Is it pure? Does it line up with your Father's intentions for you? Or have you let stuff in that's gonna destroy you, that's gonna slowly eat away at your destiny, that's slowly gonna eat away at your heart and contaminate your heart and then contaminate every other part of your world. Come on, we've got to allow the good stuff in. And the amazing thing about the good stuff is the good stuff is so often unfamiliar to us. The negative stuff like fear, it's so easy to entertain that stuff because it's known to us. We know it, it's always been around, we get it. But the good stuff, we've got to make sure these are the guests of honour. This is what we treat with respect. This is what we dwell on. This is what we entertain over and over and over again. See, this is what the Word of God says that we should do. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 to 21. Place these words on your hearts. Get them deep inside you. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning until you fall into bed at night. Inscribe them. This is crazy, but this is what the Bible says we need to be doing. Inscribe them on the doorposts and gates of your cities so that you'll live a long time and your children with you on the soil that God promised to give your ancestors for as long as there is sky over the earth. Proverbs 7 verse 4 to 5 says, my teaching is as precious as your eyesight. Guard it. Write it out on the back of your hands. Etch it on the chambers of your heart. Luke 8 verse 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with good and noble hearts who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Come on, do we allow His promises to really get on the inside of us? Or are we just kind of reciting it and kind of knowing it in our head without it dropping into our heart? Because I've found for something to get into our heart, we've so got to know it. 
we've so got to just keep going over and over and over and over and over it until like the Word of God says, perseverance brings the harvest. We've got to allow it to drop on the inside of us. Are we entertaining the right way? Why don't we give these guys a hand? Thank you, team. And if the team can join me as well, the worship team. Are we entertaining the right way? What we're going to do in this moment is we're going to have a time of communion together. And I want us to do hard examination right now. Is there stuff going on in our heart that we know shouldn't be there? Is there stuff that we're entertaining that we know will sabotage our destiny? Is it stuff that we're entertaining that we know if Jesus was to examine our heart, He'd be like, mate, that's not me. It's not my will for you. I haven't said yes to that. I haven't said that that would be good for you. Come on, what are we entertaining? And in this moment of communion, you know, communion's so powerful because Jesus came ultimately to set us free. He came for heart connection. And I want to allow us just to have a moment where we can connect with Him heart to heart. And we can give Him some stuff that we've been maybe struggling with on our own, the stuff that our heart's been entertaining. Allow Him to take it for us and then allow Him to replace it with promises of good, with the promises of what He's got in store for us. Allow Him to speak. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for us and the service host is going to hand out communion. Let's just be, allow this to be a moment between you and God right now. Will you search your heart and allow Him to speak. Allow Him to reveal stuff. Allow Him to speak His promises. Allow Him to identify what we're entertaining that's not right and allow Him to replace it with the truth. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that this would be a holy moment. God, that You would reveal what You need to reveal to us. God, that You would speak in the only way that You can. God, You know us intimately. You know what is going on in our hearts even more than we know. And Father, I pray right now you would have your way. Holy Spirit, that you would just put the spotlight on our hearts right now. That you would just bring to the surface what you want to reveal. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on, let's worship Him. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness.
holy God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your promises. We thank you for the life that you bring us, that the enemy has come to rob, steal and destroy, but you've come to give us life and hope and a future. God, we make that fresh decision to lean into your promises, to lean into your Word, to entertain your Word in our hearts, to isolate what is not of you, to entertain your Word, to choose your Word over other things that seem more believable. Now I really feel like for some of us here tonight, it's like that, you know, if you are to be honest, you feel like these other things in my world, I know they're not right, I know they're not of God, but they feel so believable. They're only believable because you've listened to them so much. And it's time to start listening to a new voice. It's time to start listening to a new promise. It's time to go, okay, God, what do you say about that? Not what has my family said, not what has my friend said, not what have I always believed. God, what do you say about that? What do you say? God, I pray right now in this moment that we would choose what you say. Not what we think, but what you say. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.